Good morning. Welcome to this edition Good morning. of Richard Urban Show. Hi. And um, we're very happy to have by phone today Judge Laura Dyer, and she's running for the Supreme Court of Appeals in Division Three. So please um, introduce yourself. Tell us a little about yourself or, or your family, anything you'd like to share. Well, sure. Well, thank you. First of all, Richard, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and your, and your viewers and listeners there. Uh, I am Judge Laura Dyer. I'm the current circuit judge here in the state of West Virginia. I am in one of the two largest circuits in our state. It's the Fifth Circuit, and that includes Jackson, Mason, Roan, and Calhoun counties. Great. Okay. So what are the like main reasons you're running for the Supreme Court of Appeals? Why did you decide to run? Well, I uh, grew up in rural West Virginia. I still somewhat live in a, a rural part of our state. I was the first person in my family to actually go to college. When I grew up, our house had wheels on it. And so I, I knew early on that I really wanted to have an, an education, and, and I was fortunate and blessed to have that opportunity. I went to Marshall University as my undergrad, and then I went to WVU Law School and got my uh, legal degree, my first job was with the Supreme Court. And so I really, I loved that job. I clerked for Justice Albright, and I think that's where I first developed a, a love for the judiciary. Right after that experience, I clerked for Judge Jim Stuckey, who was one of the circuit judges in the 13th Circuit. And so I, I really, from those first experiences legally and, and having clerked for those judges and justices, I knew that I liked that type of work, that it's very diverse. You know, the, the questions that come are, are different facets of the law, and I like that. I like the challenges of that. And so that sort of led me to, uh, after a lengthy career in both private practice and, and working for the government and public service to do what I do now, which is be a circuit judge. And that experience is really opened my eyes to a lot of the troubles that children and families in West Virginia have. And my experiences both with the judiciary and with that and the passion for it and knowing that I'm uniquely qualified, I feel very compelled to ask for this opportunity to help and serve my state. Okay. Uh, that's good. So what, how do you see the role of the judiciary like in, in improving child welfare? I guess there's a many uh, child welfare cases coming up to the Supreme Court level. How how do you see, you know, your role in that, in improving child welfare? Well, that's a great question, and it's why I'm asking for the job. As a circuit judge, you are in the trenches with these issues, and you are handling the people and the families as they come, dealing with the the laws that are in place, but also with the administrative rules that are in place. And those come from the Supreme Court. You know, not only does the Supreme Court issue opinions relating to things coming up, you know, from the lower courts, but it is the, the administrative office for all the courts in the state of West Virginia. And so thereby, it takes a lot of administrative experience, which I have, and a lot of communication with other branches of government. You know, DHHR is heavily involved. You have third-party contractors within. You're dealing with the with the prosecuting attorney's offices and other entities, and so it's a unique place 
to use those skill sets to try to develop administrative roles to help um, resources and communications with other ranges of government. So that's how I see the opportunity to, to help the children is definitely by means of the administrative function of the Supreme Court. Okay, yeah, it's interesting. Our nonprofit deals with, uh, you know, helping you stay absent before marriage and form, you know, stable families. I'm wondering, you know, around that kind of idea, do you think in the long run that kind of approach could help? I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of issues. Um, yeah, as you say, because of the, you know, family situation. What do you think about that? Is that like a viable approach to encouraging you like to stay absent before marriage? Well, I, I think that that is, you know, a great question. And I can tell you how I've utilized so far in the job that I have, those types of resources, you know, it's, it's what we're going to have to do. Our state is unfortunately not one of the most wealthy or resourced when it comes to those particular issues being what, what uh, avenues that different people have to have access to resources. And so when you can collaborate with people that care in your communities and in our state and bring those resources to the table, maybe it might not be any individual thing, the right fit for a particular family, but for a particular family, it might. So opening those lines of communication and putting, you know, things together, that's what West Virginians are good about, at least where I've grown up and all the West Virginians. Uh, communities that I've been involved with, we're good at coming together and pulling our resources together and, and figuring it out. Like we use, um, we have several church groups locally that provide resources uh, for families in need or for individuals in need to try to facilitate getting them in a better situation in life. Because unfortunately, people don't typically come to the court system because great things are happening in their lives. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking more yeah, there could be specific services a church could provide. Also, just thinking more like on the long-term, you know, picture also. Along those lines, have you heard about or do you, do you like think in some states they have community, not states, but cities, I guess, community marriage policies. It's not, I think, something that's mandated, but I know in some communities like Kansas City, Kansas, they have like churches get together and they say, okay, if you want to be married, we're going to have this counseling and things like that, that you should um, go to. So I think it's something the churches do. Do you think that's a good idea or something like that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I honestly don't know about that particular situation. Uh, as far as the, the court is concerned with those issues, I don't know that I don't really know how to answer that one. Okay, yeah, I guess I mean, it's not so much a court thing. It's more like just a, a general policy um, issue. Right, yeah, I mean, are you talking about specific laws that a community, like a yeah. municipality? Well, I think there's some community. Yeah, like there was one organization they've been working for, I think several decades, Marriage Savers. So they suggest like that in different communities, like churches could adopt a community marriage policy saying that if you'd like to get married, then you should go through this training or counseling before marriage. And they find that that helps increase the success of marriage. So that's the idea of well, it. You know. 
Well, I can say this about that, Richard. The the laws of the state of West Virginia, because circuit judges are authorized uh, under the under the law to perform marriages. I've done I've done a few marriages. Uh, in the the wording under the law, that's black and white law says it is not to be entered into unadvisably. And so I always feel compelled to tell young couples when they come and they ask you to do that, to tell them that particular passage, that it's not to be done unadvisably. So I don't know if that's directly answering your question, but I can tell you what the law says about it, and that's what it says. No, that gives a good idea. Okay. Yeah, thanks for that. Well, to change the topic a little, what what's your view like of the all that went on with the Supreme Court of Appeals like in 2018, how, how do you, you know, the impeachment proceedings, do you think like the, um, maybe the legislature overstepped or they did it, that was the right thing? Or do you have a, any opinion about kind of like the whole, um, I guess, controversy that went on about the Supreme Court of Appeals? Well, I think that, you know, came into the judiciary and I have already expressed how much I admired the justices and, and the judges that I personally worked for that, you know, weren't involved in, in what happened. And I've always had this reverence for that branch of government. You know, it's interesting that our founding uh, fathers in writing the Constitution, uh, and, and just to say this, you know, everybody has an innate from childhood understanding of what fair and fairness are, you know, you know, don't don't skip line, wait your turn, share, all those things. So we, we very early in life understand those concepts, but you will never see the word fair or fairness in the Constitution. And and that's because the forefathers knew that that's a very hard thing to define in, in adult parameters and all the situations that people find themselves in. So what they did is they, they created an entire branch of government, and that's their purpose. Uh, the purpose of the judiciary is, you know, to sort of be the referee of these things where the law meets actual living, breathing people. So, you know, having that reverence of the court and, and such, when I came in and, and then all those things happened, it was, it was very upsetting, obviously, because the court has to have the trust of the people that we're doing that job, that we do care, and that we're fairly applying law. So when that happens, it's a tremendous strike against you know, people having that type of faith that needs to happen in the forefathers contemplated in writing the Constitution and dividing the branches of government. Okay, yeah. Okay. So uh, along those lines about the Constitution, so would you like describe your judicial philosophies more like very much, um, I don't know if I'm using the right terms, but you can correct me, like strict constructionists, like you really stick to the what the Constitution says, or I've noticed, you know, in talking to some of the other judges I've interviewed, maybe uh, I looked up one case where it seems like there was a new interpretation of the law. I guess you know what kind of what I'm saying. Did you want to give any comments about like your judicial philosophy? Well, sure. I mean, the Constitution, at the end of the day, it's a piece of paper with writing on it. It is a legal document, and it says certain things, and it doesn't say other things. So um, from that standpoint, I guess that's how I've always felt about about the Constitution. And it's one of the most eloquently and most beautiful written legal documents in the entire world. You know, we the people, it's, it's uh, dear to me. I, I get to see it in a way that 
is very meaningful and rare is the opportunity that a person gets to see the Constitution in living form. And I do every time a jury, a grand jury or pettit jury is seated, when I look in that box, it's we the people as contemplated because they didn't want the government to make certain decisions. They wanted the people to do that. And so that's why that's written in there. I hope hope that's responsive to your question. No, it is. It is. Yeah, along those similar lines, like if you can say or however you feel is appropriate, are you concerned like about many governors have put a lot of restrictions out for the COVID-19 situation, as we know, and various kinds of um, edicts and mandates. Is that like, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, if you're free to say, you know, is that like uh, very concerning or how, you know, I mean, it seems like we're in a very unprecedented situation, you know what I mean? Right, I understand that. And it's interesting, I'm on uh, social media, there's a the constitution, there's a entity that, you know, governmental oversees that, and they, they always bring on these great uh, academics to talk about those issues. And I've listened to some of those podcasts about it. And the thing about you know, a judge or a member of the judiciary, judicial officer, we're not allowed to like specifically say how you would or wouldn't rule in a, in a given case. And that's because you have to, the court only speaks through its orders and that's so fact specific. So like the laws of West Virginia about certain mandates of a governor, it's going to be different than Virgin, the Commonwealth of Virginia. Right. And that's why. So you know, um, there are going to be a lot, I, be- I believe there are going to be a lot of very interesting and legitimate issues legally that are um, arise uh, as a result of everything that's going on. But to say, you know, how I might feel about individual ones, I'm, I'm not allowed to, right. but I definitely yeah. anticipate there are going to be issues. Definitely, definitely. So when when you see like you're running against an incumbent and another candidate like how would you um for the voters differentiate yourself like with the your opponents in the uh upcoming election june 9th oh well the the incumbent was appointed by the governor this race is we were talking about we the people so this job being open uh, to the people of West Virginia based on my unique qualifications and how much I care and know that I could make a serious difference, particularly for our children. Uh, I mean, I, that's how I would uh, differentiate. Just the multitude of experiences that I've had lend themselves to uh, doing a great job. And so I'm asking the people to have that opportunity to serve them. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. Absolutely. So um, any other things you'd like to share, you know, with, with the uh, audience about, you know, your camp, your candidacy and that we haven't already touched on? Well, absolutely. I would have loved to have gotten to travel a lot more, particularly in your area, because it's so beautiful and I like being there. I got to go up there, you know, uh, once before all of the things happened. So I certainly would have loved to have had the opportunity to come face to face and meet and talk to people. But due to everything that's happened, that that was not an opportunity. And I appreciate you, Richard, for allowing me this opportunity. And I would just like to let them know that I sincerely appreciate their consideration and time. 
in this application, I do have a website. It's Judge Dyer for Supreme Court. I can be found on uh, Facebook if uh, they're interested in learning more or have specific questions. And I just appreciate their vote. Um, we the people, I would like, I'd like the people to pick me for this job. Okay. So, so yeah, that, that's great. All right, well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on, on the show today. And we'll put this out on video and podcast. And so I urge all the viewers to vote on June 9th. We will be choosing, you know, the three uh, Supreme Court of Appeals justices, and that will be the only election for that, as well as, of course, other positions. So, yeah, th thank you for, uh, again, for coming on today. Well, thank you so much, and you have a great week. Okay. So I am your host, Richard Urban, coming to Restore Carpers Ferry. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next time.